0: Hello, this is Roy Lilly. Well, there are a lot of things I don't know, and even more that I can't do. I'm not a grave digger, but I do recognise a six-foot hole when I see one. I'm not a racing driver, but I do know what a Ferrari is. I'm not a hairdresser, but I can see from the state of some blokes' beards they're grown out of unadulterated slobbiness and not in the quest for tonsorial elegance. Neither am i a lawyer nor an mp but i do know a piece of junk legislation when i see it in case you haven't noticed the whitehall gasworks has churned out another masterpiece it's the strikes brackets minimum service levels brackets act 2023 Panicked by the tabloids about strikes in the NHS, Rishi had a choice. Fix industrial relations in the NHS or antagonise everyone with another piece of senseless union bashing. You know what he chose. And Labour are pledged to repeal it. Well, we'll see. Because most European countries have some sort of minimum service agreements in an attempt to balance the right to strike and the rights of their citizens to go about their business. Do we need this in the NHS? Well, medics and clinicians are generally only allowed to practice if they're admitted to their professional register, principally the NMC and the GMC and others. For the most part, the conditions include some form of undertaking not to harm the public. It falls apart when registrants go on strike, their members go on strike. The NMC Code of Conduct ducks strikes and they hide behind waffle in their position papers. The GMC dither about using judgment. Both organisations claim in some way or other to be there for the public good and neither of them have the guts to say strikes are a huge danger for the vulnerable public. To keep services ticking over during strikes, trade unions stuck in a bind between wooing public sympathy and killing them agree derogations, meaning striking members can actually work as normal. And we're familiar with the Christmas Day levels of service that people talk about. Apart from recycling about a million people back onto the waiting list, and goodness knows what damage that does, the strike days, touch wood, have been grief-free people have been sensible. The top line of the new legislation, principally, trusts are provided with the power to require a level of staffing to keep working. They don't have to. It's their call. The staff required to work have to be named, listed and provided to the unions. Quite what that does to data protection is above my pay grade. Unions have to give employers 14 days notice of striking and the employees have got 7 days to provide a work notice, the list, that in a big trust will run to hundreds. There are further 4 days to amend the list and fiddle about. If a named person decides to strike anyway, they run the risk of no longer being protected by strike legislation and might end up with a sack. And if the unions don't comply, they can be fined a shed load of money. Well, that's it in a nutshell. Now, trusts have a problem. They hold contracts of employment, but have no control over pay. They can't negotiate an end to the strikes. They just have to deal with the fallout and the aggravation that the numpties at the Department of Health give them. The last thing trusts want is the aggravation of strike action to sour local election, uh, local relationships. People have to work together. Hence, by and large, the derogations have been sorted out by grown-ups and things have muddled along. NHS management is getting quite good at doing strikes. I cannot envisage a trust wanting to make matters worse by invoking their powers under this legislation unless they're in the thrall of some steery-eyed bonkers Ned who can't be reined in. Like I said, I'm not a lawyer and I no longer have to make operational decisions. But I do know when a barge pole isn't long enough to give something a shove. Thanks for listening. This has been Roy Lilly and I hope we'll speak again real soon. Bye bye now.